This is Billy Campbell, the Foul Hunter with Dr. Duck, and you guys are listening to Big Frig's My Way of Life podcast. What's up, guys? It's Blaine, a.k.a. Crack with the Mud Bun. You're listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Showcasing people living the My Way of Life lifestyle. Brought to you by BigFrig.com. Big Frig! Here is your host, Scott Papik. Hello, My Way of Lifers. How are you? Appreciate you checking out the podcast. Today we had the pleasure to spend some time with Croy Valley Foods. I would like to personally thank Damon and Lou for taking a little bit of time and telling us their story. We talked about work ethic, confidence, and the grind it takes to get where you want to be. If you like the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast, it'd be really cool if you gave us a review at iTunes. Let's start off with your background. Where were you born, raised? born and bred here in Wisconsin. I'm a Wisconsin girl through and through. Uh, Damon, how about yourself? Well, I, uh, I grew up just outside of the Twin Cities uh, in, the, in the suburbs of Minneapolis. In northern Wisconsin for a time and, and opened up a, a restaurant with my parents up there and kind of moved back to the area. So now I'm, I'm still living right along the banks of the St. Croix, but I'm, I'm back in Hudson, Wisconsin now. What is Croix Valley Foods? <laughs> Croix Valley Foods is the all-encompassing presence in our life. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's more than just a company. I mean, it's a, it's, it, it really is our way of life. I mean, no pun intended with the, with the hashtag and whatnot. But, I mean, really, this is, uh, you know, we, we started it out as a, as a company. We manufacture barbecue sauces and marinades, dry rubs and seasonings and Bloody Mary products. But um, Croy Valley is also, you know, it's our brand and it's our lifestyle. We're, we're competition cooks and we travel around the country under that Croy Valley name and we compete in, uh, in barbecue competitions, steak competitions, burger competitions, culinary fight clubs, world food championships. It's all related to cooking and being outdoors and, you know, doing, uh, doing a lot uh, around the grill. So that's, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than just selling a couple of sauces or, or even, uh, you know, signing up for a, for a rib competition. I mean, this is what we do day in and day out. Yes. No days off. No days off. <laughs> so, Lou, before you jumped into Croy Valley, what did you do in your previous life? What career were you, uh, were you involved with? Paralegal in my previous life, if you can believe that, which, you know, helps with the organization and everything with the business, but... It just wasn't fun, and I wasn't passionate about it, and it was it, it just didn't make me happy. And I, I knew I wanted to do something that made me happy, and, and that's, that's Croy Valley. That's, that's why there's no days off, because this is what we, not only what our work is, but what our fun is, too. So, yeah, it's, it's much better than being a paralegal. Damon, um, did you mention that you worked uh, in a restaurant that your parents opened? Is that what you did before? Yeah, back in uh, back in '96, I believe it was. Uh, my parents and I we opened a, a steakhouse in northern Wisconsin, and I worked with my folks there for about five years, and then I moved back towards the Twin Cities, and I was in the restaurant industry for about 15 years, managing a couple of different restaurants in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so I've been, you know, I've been in the restaurant industry for a number of years, but uh, there was a time at which I just decided that I didn't want to do it any longer and turned my attention to this. So, I mean, it's really, you know, there's, there's a heck of a story here and, and I'm, I'm always happy to share it. So. <laughs> Tell us about the story. Okay. 
Well, here's here's the, here's the deal, okay? I'll just let Damon do this because he's really, really good at this story. Well, you jump in anywhere oh, okay. that you anywhere I'll you like. I'll add my commentary. Okay, so so Lou and I we we met when I was 15 and Lou was 14, and we dated when we were in high school. Uh, we were together for three or four years, and just after high school, we were actually engaged to be married. Um, we we decided that. Uh, you know, we we're going to go to school, and we both went to different schools. We both just kind of um, went in different directions. And long story short, there we we split, and I got married, and I had three children. And I got married and had three children. And 15 or so years goes by, and we both find ourselves going through a divorce at the same time. And uh, and I reached out to to try and find Blue, and. Lo and behold, you know, 15 years goes by, never heard from her, had no idea where she was, didn't know she was single or married or what have you, but I, but I had a dream actually one night that, that led me to, to find her, which was really cool. And we got together and it was just like old times and we, we decided that we, uh, you know, spent enough time apart learning life lessons and whatnot and we got married and blended our families and we brought six children all together in one house and uh that was super fun it, yeah, it was yeah three three boys and three girls it was we were the real brady bunch and uh it, it was pretty it was pretty intense for a while <laughs> yeah. that much but now, now they're getting older and you know they're half of them have blown the coop so it's pretty cool um so so when lou and i first get back together we're sitting down to have some steak and i said you know i can't I can't eat steak without the steak sauce that I used to make. And my parents, like I mentioned before, we had a steakhouse in northern Wisconsin, and I developed this steak sauce that we used with every one of our meals, you know, went with all the steak, burgers, chicken, duck, pork, and people just loved it. People absolutely loved this sauce. We would, uh, you know, they'd always ask us if we'd bottle it or sell it or whatever. And I hadn't made it personally for a long time. My parents were still running the restaurant up there at the time. So I called my dad and I said, how do you make that steak sauce again? So he gives me the recipe and I whip up a little batch of steak sauce and we sit down to have dinner and I'm eating the sauce. And I have to back up for a second here because Lou and I are newly together. We weren't even married at that time. No. We weren't even married at that time. And, um, but we were, you know, we were, we were back together again and in the interim, after going through a divorce, I had already left my job. I was technically unemployed, but not really because I was all, I'm also a musician and an artist and I was doing all of these, um, you know, gigs, playing music and painting and all this other sort of stuff, but I wasn't working for anyone. I didn't have a regular paycheck. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really need to kind of find my calling. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And it was that moment sitting down for dinner when that steak sauce hit my lips again and I tasted it, which I hadn't for a very long time. And I looked at Lou and I said, I mean, it was just a light bulb moment. I looked at her and I said, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And she says, what's that? I said, I'm going to make steak sauce. So I thought he was absolutely out of his mind. Yeah. Lou thinks I'm nuts. Out of his mind. She thinks I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean you're going to make steak sauce? So I, you know, relay the story of how everyone liked this stuff, and and uh, I just put my nose to the grindstone, and I went to, uh, I got some certification and licensing that I needed in order to properly produce food products for the market. And about 
four months later, Croy Valley was born, and I was on the market with that original steak sauce, which is still our flagship product, and also a hot and spicy and a garlic and herb version of the sauce that I brought to market. And that was that was nine. 2009. 2009. So nine years ago is when that happened, and uh, here we are today with a 10,000 square foot factory and 21 different products that we produce and they're all like international award winners. So, you know, this little idea of having, bringing some steak sauce to market has really built this, this uh, pretty substantial food company that, that we're still growing every day. What are some challenges that you face, you know, going through this part that people might not expect? Well, I think, you know, the first thing was that when, when we first started out, you know, I, I, part, part of what I do today is, in addition to producing my food products, I produce a lot of other people's as well. I'm a, I'm a food co-packer. So, you know, you've got a recipe for grandma spaghetti sauce and you want to bring it to market, I help you do that. Hundreds of people come my way every year that have, you know, this great idea and they have a food product they want to bring to market and they think it's all going to be you know, really easy and let's go to a co-packer and have this product made and then all of a sudden I'll make it and we can sell it in all the stores and we'll all become millionaires. Right. And not how this works. <laughs> not at all. Not how any no. of this works. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and, and we realized, you know, by trial and error, I mean, we realized, you know, by actually doing the work ourselves, what it takes to be successful in this business. And, you know, when you talk about hurdles and pitfalls, I'll tell you, I mean, it's not easy, and you have got to put all of your time and effort behind a venture like this in order to make it successful because, you know, I'm making barbecue sauce, and, and while they're good and while I love the sauces, I mean, let's face it, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of good barbecue sauces on the market. So there's got to be something that sets you apart and something that you do differently, and with Lou and I living this lifestyle, where this is not just a hobby, we're not just selling at farmers markets, we're not just selling to family and friends. I mean, we live and breathe this every day of our lives. Um, and it takes that time and effort to, to really be, you know, to really make something out of it. You cannot expect the, the you know, skies to open up and everyone's gonna want your product and you're gonna be successful because I see tons of people come through my doors all the time and I try and give them my best advice about putting their, you know, best foot forward and giving it, giving it their all. And I see a lot of them unfortunately fail because, you know, they just don't have the wherewithal to do it. They don't have the time. They don't have the effort, the money that it takes, whatever it happens to be. I mean, you really have to be behind this 100% yeah. in order to do it. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people don't understand. They yeah. don't. They yeah, just don't when, get we, it. when we started Croy Valley in 2009, I was working full time as a paralegal fortunately making enough money to support our entire family so that while Damon's working Croy Valley full-time, every penny was going right back into it. And that was solid for the first four years of the business before the business actually became profitable enough to completely support us. And I could walk away from the legal field. It was a lot of work. Yeah. That's going to spin off to two other questions. Um, first one, if you could give someone a one sentence pitch of, you know, advice. Work constantly. If, if, honestly, if I was, if I was going to tell someone, I mean, my, my best advice as, as to what it takes to make it in this food business uh, like this is, uh, 
you know, never, I, I would say, I would say number one, you never give up. And secondly, you have got to work it day in and day out and, uh, and don't expect, don't expect the doors to, to open um, with, you know, without putting in the effort. But, but I can tell you, you know, I have knocked on a million doors, you know, just, I mean, literally like grocery stores and meat and things like that when I started saying, hey, here's who I am, this is my story, would you give, a, give us a chance to put, put the product on the shelf? There have been so many places that, that we've gotten our products into, um, you know, that, that have had it for nine years because we've built the relationships with those, with those stores and with those customers so that they keep coming back. But there were a number of them that said, nope, not interested. You're too small. You're not big enough. We don't have shelf space for you. And, uh, you know, six, seven years later, they come knocking on my door and say, hey, can we put your product in the store now? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just perseverance is what it takes. No is not a bad thing because you're going to be told no a lot. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And I think that's true in, in any industry. And uh, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, or, or an artist. I mean, my gosh, because I've kind of lived that, that uh, life as well. You know, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you should probably be doing something different. I think that's the bottom line. You've got to believe in, in what you're doing and, you know, learn, learn from mistakes and take the nose and turn them into positives down the road because that's how, that's how you get forward. Boy, you know, if I, if I took every, every rejection and every no to heart, um, I'd, I'd be doing something completely different today because I wouldn't have a stomach for it anymore. How do you know when you've done things right? When there's money in the bank account. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, that's, that's part of it. But I think, I think the bigger thing is, you know, I like to consider, I mean, we're not, we're not, you know, multimillionaires here with this business. This is still a mom and pop operation. I mean, Lou and I run it. Our, our family is involved. You know, we've got other employees and whatnot, but I mean, you know, we're not, we're not the, you know, ready to sell out to Kraft or General Mills or something here. I mean, we're, we're a small, we're a small outfit, but I think that we are extremely successful. And one of those measures of success, and, and this is what I tell people all the time, is that we are doing what we want to do. And, and I think that's what makes us a success. And when I, and when I know that I've done something right. You know, I can come into work and I can work Monday through Thursday and I can take off and go to, you know, Kansas City. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. go to a steak competition. <laughs> Which is where we're going this weekend. Yep. Or I can head to a barbecue contest. I can spend three days on the road in our nice little trailer and, you know, bring all our grills with us and hang out and meet new people, get to talk to and, and enjoy the ones that we already do know. And just continue to build our family in the world of food sport. And, you know, I, I have the ability to do that any time I want. I can take off any time and do that because, you know, fortunately we work for ourselves. So if I want, if I don't want to come into work tomorrow, I don't. But, um, you know, I think that's the biggest success. I, I look at Lou and, and tell people all the time, you know, we can do what we want to do. And within reason, I mean, I'm not independently wealthy. I can't, you know, take off to the Caribbean for a month. <laughs> no. I'd lose my house. Right. But you know, I mean, within reason, we keep ourselves happy. We do what we want to do, and, and we're able to sustain it. So I think that's, I think that's our, our measure of success, really. Yeah, absolutely. How has technology helped you personally or Croy Valley? Endlessly. Absolutely oh. endlessly. Social media is a small business owner's 
dream, just being able to promote ourselves on Facebook, to push what we're doing, to share videos. I can't even think of how someone would operate a small business without the internet. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we would have done this 30 years ago, I, I have no idea uh, how we would have succeeded. And, and, and really, the, the big thing, it's, I mean, technology in general is obviously in every facet of our business. But in order to promote Croy Valley and in order to open the doors that we've opened, build the relationships that we've built, uh, it's all been due to social media. And, uh, and, and we do a lot of video production for the folks that we work with and our, and our partners. And, you know, just being able to cross-promote each other, uh, have that visibility over the Internet. I mean, my God, I, cannot, I can't imagine where we would be without it. What inexpensive tool do you use that makes you excel? That's a neat question. If you want to look at an inexpensive tool that, that I think certainly helps us excel and helps uh, a number of other people that I know, this, it's, not, it's not a tangible tool. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's Facebook. It's free. Yep. That is a tool that we utilize to help us excel. We have connected with so many people um, you know, CEOs and executives of companies that I thought that we would never have an opportunity to, you know, reach um, to those that we want to try to promote ourselves to. You know, we do a lot of video and TV and, and try and hop in front of the cameras whenever we can. I would not have, I, I would never be able to do any of that without Facebook. And I look at that as my biggest resource, my biggest tool for building our brand and, and, and our company. I mean, you know, Twitter and Instagram and what I, you know, the other million um, uh, social media platforms that are out there are all helpful and useful as well. But, um, but Facebook has been invaluable to our business. I, I have another inexpensive tool, and it's going to sound funny, but it's tortilla chips. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know where we'd be without tortilla chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do a lot of sampling. We do a lot of demos in grocery stores. And we used to cook chicken or cocktail weenies and any kind of meat we could find that was inexpensive to sample our products out on. And then people were too focused on the meats and not the sauces. And about seven years ago, we switched over to doing nothing but sampling with inexpensive tortilla chips. Isn't that funny? But it makes all the sense in the world once you just explain it to me. Yeah, and it saved us a ton of money. What in the industry drives you nuts when you hear it? Lou and I try our best to try and promote competition barbecue and food sport in general. You know, we're both members of, of different organizations. Lou's, Lou's a member of the Minnesota Barbecue Society. She's the treasurer and on the board of directors there. Um, so, you know, her responsibility is, is helping to promote uh, competition barbecue, certainly in the state of Wisconsin or in the state of Minnesota and beyond. And I'm the president of the Wisconsin Barbecue Posse, which is a similar nonprofit organization in Wisconsin that's aim is to promote barbecue as well. So, you know, we are, we're really vested in making sure that, that other people get to do the sort of things that we do and learn from it and enjoy. And one of the things that I hear about competition barbecue uh, very often is that it's too expensive to get into. And it's a barrier and it's a hindrance that I think a lot of people kind of have this notion that you can't you can't compete with the big boys because you need all these really expensive meats and you need all these really expensive cookers and and uh, all sorts of equipment and and that kind of drives me nuts a little bit because you know we didn't get into competition barbecue 
with expensive cookers and sponsors and super expensive meats and whatnot. We dove into it really not knowing a thing about it. No, we and had no idea what we were doing. No idea. <laughs> and, and we learned from those that were already in the sport and uh, for those that are in the industry. And, and that's, that's all you need to do. You need to jump into it feet first and, and just kind of give it your all. And, and I'll tell you, just as an example, we were in La Crosse, Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago for a, a barbecue competition. There were almost like 50 teams or something there competing. And a lot of, you know, quote unquote, big boys. I mean, you know, people who, who do very, very well. But there was a number of people there that, you know, might have been their, their, you know, first time out or they're just kind of a backyard team. They don't, they don't compete all that often. And there was one guy. Um, his name was Aaron. I didn't even catch his last name. But Aaron pulls up at 1130 at night, the night before the competition. And everyone's like, where is this guy? I mean, you're usually there in the morning. Um, hanging out, you go through a cook's meeting, the whole works. This guy shows up at 11:30 at night, and uh, and most people, they're everything's prepped, they're ready to go to bed. If they're, I mean, if they're not up partying, they're ready to go to bed and focus on their cook for the morning. He had he had a smoker that he built himself. He was a welder by trade, so he built himself a smoker. He pulls up there at 11:30, starts his fire. He stays up all night long, never gets any sleep whatsoever. Um, he had to feed the fire the entire night and he competed against everybody else. His first Kansas city barbecue society, his first KCBS event ever. And he wound up with three top 10 calls that morning and beat out all, all sorts of the other, you know, quote unquote, big guys that are out there. Um, first time ever with, with meats that he, you know, bought at the local grocery store. All he did was come out and he cooked and he did very, very well. And you see a lot of that happen. And I think that, you know, some people, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, this sport is going to live and die by the fact that we either do or we do not get new people involved in, in food sport and have an attractive um, package for them to come in and, and, you know, want to be part of this, this uh, community of people. And if we don't get new teams, the sport will die. And, uh, and, and that's the one thing that I hear from a lot of people is, boy, we just, you know, we can't, we can't do it. I just can't see spending that kind of money or whatever. And I'll tell you, anyone can go to the local store and buy, you know, cheap cut of meat and make it taste like a million bucks. Just take some time and a little bit of talent and boy, you, anyone can get there. Fantastic story. Um, I think people always say, I, I hear it a lot. When I get this, I'll be better at that. Example, I'm a photographer. Everybody says, hey, when I get a better camera like you, I'm going to take better pictures. It's not about, it's not about the gear. It's about the story, the vision, and knowing your tools. The tools that you do have, know them. And he knew his what he had built. He knew his smoker, and he executed it. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's true with, with anything that, that you do. I mean, if you don't give it your all, if you're not giving it, it 100% and learning you know, along the way and soaking in as much information as you can, you know, you'll never get there. It doesn't, it really isn't about the tools and the equipment that you use. It's about the, the passion and the drive that you have to make it work for you. And that's, that's kind of how we live our lives. I mean, really it is. This is what, you know, it's kind of a motto that, that we live by. And, and one of the things that I always like to tell people is because they, they look at, they look at us sometimes and they're like, Oh my gosh, you guys are so busy. You're always traveling. You're always doing so, so much stuff. How do you ever find time? And I always tell everybody, that you know, I put I put a hundred irons in the fire because you never know which one is going to glow red hot. 
and that's a perfect way for us to live. You know, I, I rarely, we, we rarely say no to anybody. It's always, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yes, 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 absolutely. We'll, we'll do that because you never know where it will lead to. And eventually one of those irons is going to grow red hot. And, uh, and man, that's when things really take off. That's great advice. Not an easy question because you're already living a fun life, but what do you do for fun when, and it can't not be work related. We, we fish. Yeah, fishing. We love fishing. We love, We have a boat that we try to use as often as possible. I think we've gotten it out. Only <laughs> once. So I'm, ashamed. I'm, ashamed. I'm ashamed. Part of that, the heat was to blame for part of it. Yeah. But, yeah, fishing, any sort of fishing, fly fishing, river fishing, shore fishing, everything. Yeah. Fishing. Yeah, that's, if we had, if, if I wasn't, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, I, I kid you not, I would be a professional fisherman. Like I would join the, the circuits and go ahead bass tournaments. And yeah, I'd be right there with them, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's that's what we'd be doing if we weren't doing what we're doing right now. Yeah, so fishing, but we we love our, we have a beautiful backyard. So we're very into the plants and the trees. We have a, a big koi pond and a stream running through our backyard. So that's kind of our, our little unplug at night, too, is sometimes to just go home and sit in the backyard and feed the fish and watch the birds. So. Yeah. Damon, is it true you're a record-holding fisherman? Yeah, I am. You know, I, back in the day, um, I I had four world records to my name. They're, they're all line-class world records. Uh, I don't know if all four of them are still valid anymore. You know, they could have been beaten. I haven't looked in quite some time. But there was a time, I mean, you know, again, perseverance and just putting your mind to something. There was a time when I looked at Lou, and this was back when we were just out of high school. I looked at her and I said, I want to hold some world records. And I went out in one summer and I, and I got four of them. So yeah, Damon has these light bulbs that go off and then we do yeah. crazy things. That's sort of the way my life seems to operate. <laughs> hey Lou, I've got an idea. Oh no. Yeah. Go for it. Put your all into it. <laughs> okay. What are we doing? <laughs> how do you teach that? I mean, seriously, it is a gift. Like how do you, how do you teach that? Well, you know, it, it, I think we teach by example is, is really what it boils down to. I don't think that it's that easy to teach other people how to persevere as much as, as I might, you know, or what I think you should do, um, because it's, it's just innate. It's something that I just do. But I think when people see really by example, they see whoever it is, you know, just putting their best foot forward and never giving up and never slowing down, um, then you see the rewards that, that come from that. And, you know, I mean, just this, this last weekend, we're, uh, Croy Valley is, is building a, a retail um, uh, space in St. Paul. We're going to open later this summer. And I'm doing a lot of the build-out myself. Uh, I'm not hiring a bunch of construction workers to do it. I mean, I, I have the skills. I know how to do construction. So this is something that I'm doing. And, and we were out all weekend long doing a number of things. And the minute I got home, I headed out to the garage, and I started, I started working on cabinetry and things that I need for the retail place. And it was just, you know, that's, that's what I do. I mean, it, I, could, I, could, I could have sat down and watched television or something else, but <laughs> I wanted to keep busy. I wanted to keep active and, and do something. And if you can be productive at the same time, um, boy, more power to you. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, too. And that's um, another thing to think of, too, and just teaching people how to have that mindset. I think it's a, a lot of fear of failure. 
a failure is such a negative term for people that they try to avoid it, where it, it shouldn't be viewed that way. I mean, if you're not failing, you're not trying. You know, you know you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to succeed. You're going to fail, you're going to succeed. I mean, you've got to keep pushing and not be afraid to fail. Fantastic advice. I second. All right, let's run through some quick ones. What's your favorite sound? Uh, steaks sizzling on the grill. <laughs> uh, a fishing reel. Casting out that, that when you cast. I like that sound. Well, the b- better sound there would actually be the drag being, you know, spun out when you've got a big fish on the line. <laughs> What's your favorite smell? Uh, steaks hitting the grill. <laughs> no, no, I, I tease you there. Um, I, you know what? Honestly, I really love the smell of, of steaks. And, and I like the smell of smoke. Yeah, yeah barbecue food cooking smoke. on a grill. Just I love food that cooking on a grill. flavor yeah. that goes through the air. Yeah. This might be another one because I don't think you guys are bad at anything, but what are you terrible at? I mean, I don't want to sound conceited or anything, okay. but I really don't think I'm terrible at anything. Um, Even as terrible at modesty? Singing, singing is not my forte, although, although I do do that on occasion. I mean, I was a musician for a while. I play harmonica. I sing okay. It's not like I'm not like, you know, Pavarotti or Bon Jovi, so I don't know. Um there's really here's the thing when you ask if there's anything that i'm terrible at i will tell you absolutely not and and i tell you that with all sincerity because if i don't believe in my ability to do something then i won't be able to succeed at it and i mean that with all honesty not like you know being conceited or whatever but if i don't believe that i can do something then why would i why would i do it or try um i absolutely believe that if i that i can do anything and be successful at it if I put my mind to it. And, um, and I think that, that more people should think that way. And, and more people would, might surprise themselves and find out that they can be successful at the things that they never thought that they could try in the first place. I am legitimately terrible at one thing, though, and there's no fixing it. I, I am legitimately terrible at backing up our trailers. <laughs> and that is a danger to anyone around, so we're just going to let that one go, and I'm just going to give up on it. Fair enough. What do you want your legacy to be? Personally, I guess I would say I would want... Uh, I, I would want more women to get involved in barbecue. That would just... if Even if there's just a handful of women out there that say, I, I started cooking barbecue and doing this because I saw Lou was doing it. I mean, that would be, to me, so cool because I think so many... At least when we first started, there were quite a few couples we were friends with, and it was all the husband's gig, and the wife was just kind of coming with and doing a little piddly things. And we're seeing more and more where it's becoming true husband and wife teams, or just seeing, you know, the women go out and cook independently on their own, and uh, that's that's cool. I would like to be a part of that movement and that growth. Yeah, and I would I would say kind of along those lines. You know, one of the things that I want people to remember both Lou and I for, um, you know, down the road when, when we're no longer here, is that we did something to help promote barbecue and outdoor cooking and food sport in general, uh, because it's, it's a big passion. It's a big, uh, you know, something that we, we both believe in. And we try and make things, we try and make cooking especially outdoor cooking and grilling and barbecuing uh, as accessible to people as possible and try and teach people new things and show people that it's very easy to be able to cook 
um, you know, utilizing a fire or charcoal or smoke or what have you. And just knowing that we did something to kind of promote that and, and push it along and get more people involved in, in food sport and in outdoor grilling and those sort of activities. Um, I think that's what I'd like to people to remember us for. For a hack like me that's not, I don't spend a lot of time grilling, but you know, I'll throw some meat on the grill. What is one tip? <laughs> easy, easy, easy one. Rest your meats before you cut them. Don't take them right off the grill and then cut right into them. You're just going to destroy it. And, and I've got a, I've got a tip too for grilling uh, or smoking anything in general also is that you should never be afraid of your, of your flame. It uh, doesn't matter what temperature you put at. You can cook ribs at 200 degrees and they'll turn out tender and juicy if you give them enough time. You can also cook them at 350 degrees and they will turn out tender and juicy as well. Temperature and the flame that you've got has nothing to do with uh, how, how well your, your meats are going to turn out. It all has something to do with how you treat it while it's there. This is directly related to Big Frig. I mean, everybody thinks of it as a cooler, and I'm going to keep my food cool in it. But going back to my tip about resting your meat, one good way to rest, especially big meats, like if you do a pork shoulder and it's done, you wrap it up in a towel and throw it in your Big Frig cooler, obviously, without ice in it. And you can use that cooler as a hot hold box, which we've done quite a oh, bit. Countless times. And it'll hold that pork, like especially a pork shoulder, a brisket, or a bigger hunk of meat like that. Those coolers will hold those meats hot for hours. Oh, five, six hours, hours. or more. Yeah. Yeah. Great tips. Where can we find you online? This is your your time to to uh, give us all the information we we need here. Sure. Well, you can certainly find out more about Croy Valley and uh, all of our products at croyvalleyfoods.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as well, at Croy Valley. And we've got tons of recipes and tips and tricks and videos and all sorts of information on the website that will really showcase, number one, not only how to utilize our products and, uh, you know, utilize some, some very unique uh, sort of applications for sauces and rubs, but also some just really great advice on cooking and how to turn maybe uh, kind of everyday ingredients into something stunning without too much time and effort. I mean, the recipes we've got on there, the, the video tips and tricks, uh, there's some pretty cool, unique stuff on there. And that's where I tell people, you know, check it out. Check it out. You might find something pretty interesting that you never thought of that you can cook on the grill before. Thank you for listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Big Frig! Please subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Google Play. For more info, please visit BigFrig.com.